live from the offices of Coldwell Bank in the River Tech Center. I am Coach Moles. And I am Coop, former offensive lineman of the Denver Broncos. And uh, Mark Cooper is going to introduce our guest. We have a special guest today, a real we special do. guy. We do. Go ahead, Mark. So Blaze Winters is with us today. And uh, Blaze uh, has – we've known Blaze for some years. And have, we've done some NFL camps together. We've done some uh, – offensive and defensive lineman camps together. And, and Blaze comes out of Syracuse where he walked on and got a scholarship later to be drafted in the 1984 uh, NFL draft as a second round draft pick of the Indianapolis Colts where he played three years and was the AFC defensive rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Yeah. So after that, he was released, picked up by San Diego where he played for two years and he was traded to Green Bay Packers where he played for four years. And then, uh, he left the Packers, went back to sign with the San Diego Chargers because they probably figured out they made a mistake by letting that old coop go, right? And then Blaze, <laughs> Blaze, <laughs> Blaze okay, made it to the Super Bowl. This is the point where you blow the horn. Blow the horn. Yeah, blow the horn. Blow yeah. the horn. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then Blaze played in, uh, played in the uh, Super Bowl where uh, uh, Steve Young's San Francisco 49ers got you a little bit there, didn't they? Ooh, how about a little love? Uh, <laughs> hey, what, what 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 Super Bowl was that? I was in twenty one. What number were you in? Oh, I don't know what number it was. I don't remember that stuff. I've been hit in the head quite quite. Oh, long. see there that typical defensive lineman. <laughs> Whatever one that was. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. He still has always teeths though. Teeths. His teeths. His okay. Teeths. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> so interesting story, Blaze. Uh, Talk about talk a little bit about your childhood because your story, like uh, Moles and I were were talking about prior to the show starting, pretty amazing. So <laughs> very motivating story, buddy. Motivate motivate the crowd out there, buddy, because this is a great story. Don't don't hold back on this. All right. One number one. I'm not sure when this will air, but uh, let's do one thing for me because it's still emotional to this day. Um, we're recording on 9-11. Uh, oh, that's right, we are. I remember where I was. And I, I remember opening out my home, the areas of which I grew up, and feeling this is a movie. They're making a movie. And then the hours unfolded, and I was on my way to a March of Dimes uh, golf event. Not that I play golf, but I was going out there to raise some money for uh, a great cause, and I was living in Wisconsin at the time, and and um, uh, and I walked into the clubhouse. And it was being verified that, hey man, this is a terrorist attack. Yeah. And I I don't want to put too much of a heavy load on our show, but it is important to remember these things because we learn from our history. We don't bury our history. We learn from our history, and. We don't try to erase it. We simply learn from it. And I think there's a lot to be said about what happened the following day or two after and how this country unified, unified and came together, all colors, all races, all genders, and, and found a way to, 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 to put the other little stuff aside. And you know, I just want to make sure we highlight that because um, – you know what, uh, Coop's supposed to bring that stuff up to me, you know, 
that's the part of his his job. I handle the equipment. He handles the events, and you know, you know. Hey. Let's talk about let's let's talk about getting you. Let's talk about getting you on the on the show as a full time guy. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we <laughs> sit smiles. Offensive linemen, right, Coop? Offensive linemen don't say much. D linemen just can't shut up. They can't ever. ever. Oh, you will find out on we'll, this show. We'll know that, on this show. You'll find out on the show who can't STFU. Between. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk. Let's talk about that real quick before you get into this, your story because it's, there's some confusion as to why we call it somewhere in between. Now, if you think about every single news show you watch, you watch CNN, you watch no, you Fox watch News, CNN. you watch MSNBC, Fox News, whatever, whatever you're listening to, whatever you're reading on the internet, whatever you're doing. You never told the truth, okay? Yeah. I watched a football game last night. It was the worst football game, executed football game ever. I was counting the missed tackles. J.J. Watt had five missed tackles last night. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it. It was the worst played football game in NFL history, and they're playing it up like this was some kind of great football because it was can. Yeah. It was the yeah. Kansas City no, Chiefs. Millions of dollars a year. Millions yeah. of dollars a year. Missed tackles. A lack of effort. Drop passes. It was. It was. It, it was. It looked like. Uh, it looked like a high school football game. You know, I'm looking at guys that are inside out defenders that are supposed to be chasing from the middle of the field to the sideline, pinning people in, overrunning tackles, stuff you teach in the ninth grade, eighth grade. Don't overrun the tackle. You're an inside out defender. You're a backer. You 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 pin the guy to the sideline. You get help from the outside. These guys are overrunning it. This this guy's being told he's the greatest rookie running back in the history of the NFL, practically the way those two dumbasses were talking about him up there, right? So we're watching that. So here, here, here's here's the deal. It's the great sales job. All right. Somewhere in between what we're being told, okay, there's the truth. Okay. That's why we have the name somewhere in between. It's not some nebulous concept that some poet sat outside while he was eating a dandelion or some shit. It is, it is because we are here to get to the truth, okay? And get in between the, the crap that we're being fed in every single topic or concept in life right now. How about Christianity? How about faith? How about God? Where's God? Right. Right? I mean, you can go to any topic and the truth is never told, okay? So the purpose of this show and somewhere in between is to get to the truth. Somewhere in between the bullshit that Coop comes up with and the stuff I come up with is usually the truth, right? <laughs> that's why you're here. Yeah. That's why you're here. So that's what the we've never really explained what that's all about. We probably should explain it before every show because that's hey, really the goal of the show, right? Hey, and let me just let me just say that um, I'm with two people. I I admire for what they've gone through and what they have learned from. And for me, I, I'm just, I'm appalled at what I see by my profession, uh, by the media, by an awful lot of people that are so easily persuaded to believe whatever they hear from what they right. believe to be gospel when it's not even close to being what is truly God's word. And that's right. For me, somewhere in between gives me a chance to share some of these thoughts with people that feel the same way. And we are not alone. 
we are not alone. There are a lot of silent people out there oh, yes. that have a lot of positive opinions about uh, all the things that are going on, uh, just like 9-11. There's a lot of positive things that come, come out of what we've grown through as players, as people, as parents, as um, brothers and sisters. And I'm really excited to be on this great show. And I hope it goes somewhere. I really hope that in a half a year, you guys are uh, maybe on serious. Well, with, with, with guys like Blaze, I'm going to tell you something. The guys like Mark Cooper, you know, me, you, uh, my brother was on last week. Okay, you're not going to hear anything but the truth, right? You're just not. And I, those are the kind of guests we're we're having on. And today, you're you're the focal you're the focal point, and you're going to get the truth from Blaze. You're going to hear about the NFL today, right, Blaze? And you're going to hear about what's going on. But I want to get like Coop started. And, and, and by the way, Mulch, Mulch, by the way, understand something. There are listeners out there that'll say we're just a bunch of old guys that are, are trying to draw the game back no no we're looking at the details of what is currently going on and the team both teams last night could not even get together on what they spent countless hours on well not discussing to know how to what make it a statement to the rest of the world they can't even get together only a few hours before uh, how should we do this and, but yet again, it's sold to us as being very important. It's just a bunch of BS. It's a bunch of yep. cons, fakes, and bloated egos. Bloated egos. And I'm appalled by it. I really am. Well, so, Blaze, you brought up a good point. And we're going to get to your, we're going to get to your story. But, but you brought up a good point about, you know, why should they be listening to us? Why should these people that are watching this on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever, or listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, why should they be listening to us? And why are we here? Why aren't we just, you know, old guys that give up? You know, we're putting up a fight here, okay? That's, that's the purpose behind this. We're here to talk about traditions that are important. And it's not just, you know, well, not just what we think. Yeah, and it's an interesting point, and I don't know if you paid much attention, but uh, YouTube and Google, the amount of censorship that's going on oh, yeah. is sickening. We got censored last week. They kicked us off of YouTube. Yeah, because of content, <laughs> right? And, and the content was far from controversial, but if you go back and you start trying to look for articles about like hydroxychloroquine, right, that was being used overseas and such, there was all kinds of information back in January, February, March, and then all of a sudden it started disappearing. You couldn't Google anything. You couldn't find it, right? You'd have to search high and low. And, no, and, and then and on Facebook and on a lot and the social media stuff, everybody being censored, right? If you, if you have something to say, all right, it's, uh, that it doesn't fit their narrative. That's right. Then you're gone, right? Or you, they'll shut your account down. You're, they'll shut your Twitter account down. They'll shut, it's just amazing the amount of censorship that's going on and what happened to the, the second amendment. So right. we can, we can come back to this stuff because if I was listening to this show and this, this is good stuff, Coop, I'm not telling you that we're not talking about good stuff and important things. But if I was listening to this show, I'd, I'd be sitting there. What's this fantastic story about this guy's life blaze winter, because it's an amazing story. It is. And we need to get to it so that we can kick off, kick off with you and how important you are as a guest to our show. And, and, 
have people understand your fight, okay? And you even yeah. say, you always write, you always write on Facebook, fight on, fight on, I will, my pre- because you're a fighter. My That's pre- right. fight, I will, and it has always been that attitude, and that attitude is what takes the individual to a higher place, a place where he or she wants to be. It's the individual looking at his own doorstep and saying, what can I do better individually, I, before we, so that we can play the, the team sport as we. We can yeah, live as, as, if we start with ourselves. And fight our will is my creed. It's a part of my life. And I live by it in prayer each and every morning and night. And hopefully my story inspires a lot of people. Yeah, it's one of the things we didn't get, get to is, uh, is that uh, Blaze is truly a, a nationally known speaker. He gets hired to come to schools all over the country. He was a Glacier Clinic speaker all across the country for coaches uh, for years. And, and he's, a, he's a tremendous motivational speaker. And that's the, that's the core of that motivation is the fight I will. But I want to talk about the fight of your life, okay, uh, Blaze, and going where it all started. Let's take it now. We're just going to, I'm just going to let you talk for a little bit and just tell us the story. Tell you t- from all the way to your last day in the NFL and we'll, then we'll get into your careers as a speaker and teacher and coach. Um, but let's start from the beginning, Blaze, okay? Well, obviously, when you listen to me, <laughs> heard about these shows because um, it, it, you know, I have flashbacks. Still to this day at 58 years old, I have flashbacks. And they're not positive ones. They're they're somewhat negative of people saying, what did you say? Is there something wrong with you? When I was a child, I was born with a hole in my face. Uh, I I had a severe cleft lip and palate. And it's a rather common birth defect when you look at all the different ones that are out there. But for me as a child, I, I, like all children, don't understand. And I was very fortunate to have a mother that was very positive, inspirational herself. And she would constantly, consistently tell me that the Lord does not make garbage. And one day you will realize that you're a masterpiece. Why does she use that word masterpiece? Because she was an artist. My grandparents were on Broadway. I'm a New York City kid. So growing up with a hole in the middle of your face, that surgically the lip was repaired. And then about eight or nine years old, the top of my roof was closed in my mouth. I was left in speech therapy. But still, the hallways were filled with people that would say, what did you say? What's wrong? How many operations did you have, Blaze? Oh, (laughs) Uh, more than a handful. More than, probably more than two handfuls um, by the time I was going to high school. Uh, to align my lip, my teeth were going, growing, believe it or not, my teeth were growing the opposite way. They were going up into my jaw, my bone and my jaw. Um, it, it's just a lot of things that I don't want self-pity. I'm not on this show somewhere in between to be, oh, poor guy. I am over that crap. I don't want any self-pity. What I want is people to understand the blessing of adversity. I want them to understand we learn from our history. We learn if we choose to self-evaluate and keep it respectful, 
self-respect, which people seem to have none of anymore. So the hallways were very tough for me. I got bloodied. I spent a lot of time in dumpsters at lunchtime because that's where they throw the garbage. The kids that don't know throw the other kids that don't quite look like them themselves into a dumpster. They, and they sit on the dumpster because obviously you try to get out. And then when you do hear the bell ring and you climb out and you smell real bad, sometimes you run and sit in the field or under a tree and wait for school to end. And sometimes you go back in to face the fears that you have of being ridiculed again by someone who says, what do you say? Why can't you talk? Why you look so different? And it was painful. It was painful. But my mom was always there. Not to buffer uh, the attack, but to shape it in such a way that I understood how to handle the attack. And later on, when I studied martial arts, I would learn these same things from masters in the field, as you know, uh, in the coop, I do a lot of martial arts. I would learn the same thing from masters, and my mom wasn't a master, but yet again, she was as being at, at being a loving parent. So you're at home, parent, and you're so, at home with your mom, and you're you're at home with your mom uh, in New York City. Was it New York City you were in? New York City, where I was born, and then moved out to Rockland County, out just on the other side of the uh, GW. Uh, single mom, single parent, working her. No, no, I had a father, but oh, father you did. Okay. Home. My father wasn't home, and when he came home, my father wasn't nice. He he had a hard time, and only later on did I I, I recently grow to understand why. I mean, he would shuffle over on the bottom of a vessel to reunite with his family that had been separated from him for years. He was taken away from his family at five or six years old and put in an orphanage. He's one of nine. And why was that happening? Because of Hitler and the Nazis. And my grandfather would write a lot of journals about Hitler and the Nazis and what were what was about to happen. So with, with the Nazis after my grandfather, they divided the nine uh, children up to keep them safe. And they put my father in an orphanage. My father just recently died. So I, if I get emotional, I'm sorry. I know how much no, you no, love no. No, look, I, I'm getting emo I'm getting emotional for you, but I'm, I, I'm I, I hear you. you. I, for years, all I spoke of was being hit by my father and seeing my mother black and blue. Um, no, I had a father, but he was never home. And from my brother and I, older brother, um, we were all right with that. And, and mom fell in love with her two sons, my brothers, Lance, uh, and, and, and two years older, as I said. And uh, it, 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 when he came home, we were nervous. We were okay. Afraid. So, so let's. Because he felt explaining these things at that time was a weakness, and I, I just wish he would have, but he never did, and that's how he was raised, to shut up and handle oh, yeah. it. Yeah, that's kind of the way we were all raised. So let's reset the scene. Here you are. You've gone through 
several op operations. You've uh, gone through uh, elementary school, middle school, the, you know, going in dumpsters, being treated the way that you described. And now you're looking at uh, going to high school. Let's, let's start, let's start, start. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about. Two things that are clear. My mother was asked to take me in to see a specialist, a counselor at the uh, high school. And she pulled me out of bed. I hated school. I was growing into a problem child. I was growing into a suicidal child in some ways. It, these are private thoughts that even my friends in high school don't know about. I would look out the window and I would plan ways to end my life because it was that horrible. And my mother would take me to see this lady and she would confirm that not, quote, everyone's meant to live an exciting life. Some people are meant to live quiet and slow lives and they should accept that. Well, you don't she, tell my mom that. You uh, just tell my mom that myself being brought down uh, to a football field after we left there and told on this field you'll discover who you really are and I said I just want to go home mom well that's all you want to do is go home and sit in your room and play a violin and feel sorry for yourself I'm not going to let you but I don't want to play football yes you do you're going to find self-worth out of that football field, and you're going to figure out how to solve the problems. And the greatest gift on a football field, no one's going to be allowed to talk. So you don't have to worry about talking and not being understood. And you'll even be able to choose a helmet with a face mask. And if you want a lot of bars on that helmet, you go ahead and choose that helmet. But out there eventually you'll take the helmet off and everybody will know who you are. That's my mom. And she pushed the car door open and she said, get out. And I said, I don't want to do this. And the coach is right there saying, Blaze, you're late. Come on, you've got to get your uniform. And I'm walking onto a field, looking over my left shoulder. And I look at my mom in the car and I say, I hate you. I can't stand who you are. And my mom looks at me and says to me, well, I love you and I'll be here when you're done. Go have a good time. And my life forever changed because I found the voice by saying nothing. I'll that's awesome. And that's awesome. It gives, a lot of, it gives a lot of value to the game for you as, as well. Uh, that you, did you, do, you, do you think those – Coop, I'm going to turn this to Coop here because I already know your answer. Okay? <laughs> Do you think those guys have an appreciation for this game that Blaze Winter has? No, no. Played in that field last night? No. No, you know, it's Blaze. I mean, I, you almost brought me to tears right there, buddy. Uh, that's, a, that's a hell of a story. Um, and it's interesting how your mom had such a perspective and understood you to know what would help you and put you in a position to help yourself. That's kind I of amazing. Privately, my mother every day. Uh, I'm yeah. Even though I mistreat her many, many times over, as a lot of young people do, and even older people. Uh, at times, it's just about judging people 
and uh, because you get away with it without anybody challenging your judgment, uh, you right. find yourself getting into a bad habit. It is so easy to get into a bad habit of yelling and screaming, and and because censor, censorship and because of um, people worried about being hurt, they shut up. And when they shut up, all of a sudden there's a conditioning going on in the streets of America that this is the way we get what we want by crying and by what feeling sorry for ourselves, where the great leaders should be pointing out, you want to get what you want in life, work your balls off. Exactly. Stop complaining, work your balls off. And everyone's afraid. A lot of the media is afraid of this. So, hey, my story represents walking. Shut up and walk it. You want to be understood? Then walk it. Shut up and walk it. Don't cry over it. Don't yell in my face. See the good in people and move forward. Forward. And you plant a seed that happens to be a seed for you in your life. God bless you. But if you plant a seed and you what? Disappear from life, then maybe that seed will represent hope for somebody else who's what? Growing up behind you. And that is how people change. That's how people be, get voted in uh, that are black, a, a, a Obama. This is how people change the landscape for what they want for their children and themselves. By walking it, say very little, but walk it. And I'm, I'm very blessed that I honor my mother each and every day. I try to with number one, an apology. An apology of, hey, man, I should have treated you like gold. And... Yeah, she knew. Well, again, she, not, she we're all not, we were also naive when, when we were young kids. Yeah, your you mom know. knows. Uh, Blake, you of know, course. Your mom, hey. Look, yeah. I, I got five boys, let me tell you. Yeah. I got five boys. They like to yell at me a lot. <laughs> but listen... Um, so now we're going to transition. You had a coach uh, in high school that took you under his wing as well. Uh, tell us about the transition from high school to college and how that happened with this uh, coach mentor you had. I walked into a uh, coach's office. I wasn't here from any colleges. Uh, remember, I'm, I stood six foot three, about 205 pounds. And I thought I was good. And I thought, hey, you know, I'm getting somewhere. I, I found the voice. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. And, and that wasn't realistic to the rest of the people in the room or in the hallways. They admired my, my improved speech. They admired my, my, uh, my looks were getting better. Um, you know, the scars were starting to settle and the lip was starting to fill out and the nose is still what it is. You know, it's still pretty. You're pretty still nice. a damn good looking man right now. Okay, you're a damn good looking man. My wife thinks. Well, you know, yeah, but that came with the that came with the red tip tells something about that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I went to Joe Heinz, the head coach at Tappan Zee High School. I went in to see him, and I said, "Here are a list of colleges I would like to play for." He looked at it, sat me down on a chair, and pulled out a piece of paper and drew on the paper a bell curve and said, do you know anything about percentages? And I said, no. And he said, Blaze, you've got to get realistic. 
you got to get realistic. Playing for Penn State, which was my number one school I wanted to play for, Pittsburgh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and so on, not realistic. Are you hearing from these schools? And I said, no, I'm not hearing from any of them. That's why I'm here to see you. You need to help me like you always have. I am helping you by telling you the truth. Coach, just call them and tell them I'm, I'm, in, I'm weightlifting, I'm running, I'm, I'm getting better. Time has run out on that dream. Go play local football if you love it so much. You'll do well. But for those colleges, they're looking for a different type of guy. Oh, what? I ran out of the room. Went home to who? Mama. She came out from the other room making a whatever dinner. Like she always made her great spaghetti. And, and hey, dinner's almost ready. How was the meeting with coach? And I told her that it, it's over. What's over? I told her the whole story. She went up to the high school, met with someone, came home and said, pack your bags. What, 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 what happened? What, what, where are we going? Penn State tomorrow. Why? Oh, you got my films? You got a letter? Coach, you going to help? No, no. He said exactly the same thing that he told you to me. So what are we doing? Well, you are free, aren't you? What? You are free, aren't you? Yes. Do you still want this? Yeah, but I'll never be able to do it without coach. I'll never. Well, why don't we try? You've always been a guy who tried real hard. So let's try. By going to Penn State and meeting whom? Who? Hopefully, go Joe Paterno. Go pack your clothes. We're leaving tomorrow morning. As she drove me across Pennsylvania to Penn State, Pittsburgh, Ohio State. No, no, no. I never go by the receptionist, man. I never go by the receptionist. And she turned, and on the way back from the middle of Ohio, she stops in Canton, Ohio, and she says, come on, let's have some fun. This has been a, a, a tough trip, I know, for you, but we'll find hope. We'll find hope. And we went into what? The Pro Football Hall of Fame. I was reluctant. I said, I'm not going in here. I'm not going in that place because I'll never have any of that. And she, again, pointed out, you're playing the violin. Why don't you stop playing it? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Why don't you go find hope? And I went in after a while, joined her, walking through the hallways, came out, drove all the way across Pennsylvania without saying a word, and finally said, can we go back to Syracuse? And she said to me, you've been turned down there twice. But I just, what changed your mind? There are people in the Hall of Fame just like me, Mom. They're just like me. They don't have necessarily the height, weight, speed, but they got the heart, mama. They got the heart. I have the heart. Oh, I need a chance. And she turned and went north to Syracuse. Mom and Miss Ponzo, the receptionist, had a nice conversation. They were always smiling at each other because there were similarities there. They both were huge women. My mom is six foot one, was 275 pounds. Miss Ponzo was probably 5'11, 300. 
they were having a good old time. Two, as I would put it in my speeches, happy hippos, having a lot of fun. I'm standing yeah. You wouldn't get away with that these days. Blaise. I would play football. And yeah. Miss Thompson said, I'll see what I can do. And I went home and got an invite a few weeks later and walked on at Syracuse. Earned a scholarship on the rebound. Four years later, I was MVP and captain of that team and played with three of the guys. We will call ourselves the four-wheel drive. And I would like to have everybody who's out there pray for Tim Green, best-selling author, played for the Atlanta Falcons for many, many years, who is suffering from ALS. And Billy Pendop, one of the greatest nose guards that should have had more of a chance to play at the pros, was a free agent for a few years. And Jamie Kimmel, who played for the Raiders for eight years, four out of four, went to the NFL. Coached by who? George O'Leary, one of the greatest hard-nosed throwback coaches that always taught me about loyalty and about commitment to excellence and how you kind of embrace the hell to understand heaven. And I'm forever grateful to those people. That's, that's awesome. Hey, we're going to take just a little bit of a break here to talk about uh, a guy who's helped uh, me a lot. Uh, and he's a sponsor of our show. We're going to take just a little bit of break here and uh, mention our friend, uh, Coop knows him well, Florian McCann. And Florian is the owner of Mile High Aeration uh, here in Denver. Uh, been doing it for 33 years, started in business in 1987. Uh, he actually uh, has an amazing story about his football time at Mullen High School. Uh, with his father who kicked him out of the house when he was 16 years old, comes from a lot of siblings, I don't know, 12 or 13 of them. He was the last in line there. And he got, th and he got kicked out of the house and he had to work for a living. So he uh, started uh, working. He was the Christian brothers at Mullen brought him in and he was working on the, you know, the grounds at, at Mullen. That was it. I started. I yeah, didn't that's know how, that. that's yeah. how it all got started. What a great guy. And now he's a, a relentless competitor in yeah. the Denver market. I mean, he, He's uh, his his business is the best of breed. Um, his story is not quite not yeah. He's a real guy. He's a, he's a real dude, and he does and he does. He see he, he you know he focuses on excellence. You know he's the, the best in the business, and so you know it's uh, it's good for uh, for you at this time of year in Colorado. For, particularly, we have mentioned it on other shows. We have clay soil here. Uh, clay below our our our, our grass, yeah, caliche. Yeah. And uh, when the sun hits it, the hot sun hits it, it dries up and it, it doesn't absorb water. And uh, the best uh, lawns in the neighborhood have mile high aeration, aeration. Uh, have mile high aeration, and they're uh, you know they've got the holes that are the aeration folks so that the caliche can accept the water, right? And you do it mostly the best times to do it are in the spring and in the fall. And we're in the fall now. We're going into winter. And if you want your uh, grass to survive the winter, the long winter here, it's time to uh, give Mile High Aeration a call on our friend Florian McCann. Um, Florian, uh, we've had, we're, we've had, we're close to him because we trained with his, we trained his son. Uh, Flo McCann is up at Colorado State University um, playing football up, up there. But to get to Mile High Aeration, uh, you want to call 303-778-1000. Seven seven eight one thousand area code three zero three, 
Um, you can also go online and set an appointment at milehighservices.com, milehighservices.com. And uh, I'm going to throw that number out one more time, 303-778-1000. It's time to get, uh, get, your, uh, get your lawn aerated, so uh, give, those, give our good friend a call. Uh, Florian McCann. Yeah, you won't be sorry. Great. Tell great him Coach Moles, Coach Moles sent you. He'll put you in the back of the line. Uh, <laughs> tell him Co Coop sent you. You'll get in the front of the line. All right. So uh, we're talking about talking to Blaze Winter. Uh, we've gotten through his high school days. We're in. We we already talked about uh, your achievements as a professional. You know, uh, playing for three teams. One twice, so four different stops in an NFL career that stretched over 12 years. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed, Blaze, when I've gone to hear you speak. Yeah, there it is. There's the Colts. Who, yeah, by the way, who? You, and there's the Packers, Colts, <laughs> Packers, and Love Chargers. it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That is so funny, Blaze. I've got a. So, so wait. Just, I worry you're missing your high school helmet. you got to get the high school helmet in there. Just, 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 I haven't oh. got Large, man. All right, yeah, yeah. I got mine on the wall at the in the, in the man cave back See, in the, uh, two, two the years, house. Two years after he was done playing, he couldn't show those helmets because the equipment manager was still alive, and he would have hunted his ass down and gotten those helmets. Back. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. But hey, you always turn the helmet in, and uh, it, it, yeah. You think it's funny, you guys, just to look inside these helmets and realize these are actually the ones that wore. And I mean, to look inside and say, oh boy, I wore this. The, yeah, the suspension. You go for the suspension system. That nobody touch each other. The preseasons where nobody touches each other. And we were going sit through what, five, six hours a day of just knocking the living crap out of each other. Yep. We would walk off the field, hating it, but yet again, could not wait to get back. I mean, yeah. that is an element of toughness that you, uh, you don't would just bring to the athlete and well, bring Coop, part of the line. And it, it was I miss it. I miss it. Well, it's, Coop uh, explained to our uh, our audience in the first episode of the show that. Uh, you know, the NFL goes full pads 13 times, 13 days a year. And yeah. so uh, I think you should take your – I think Antonio Brown lives in Florida where you live, down near Orlando. You should take that helmet over to Antonio Brown, see if it fits. Maybe he'll play in it, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, opting out. Please, would you ever, would you ever opt it out? Opt out. Would you ever opt it out? Of a season? Are you kidding me? How how short is life? How short is life? How precious? Yeah. All right, how, Coop, show yours. Show how, yours. No, how precious? How precious is life? How precious is life? But how precious is the, the game of football that you would literally opt out of a season? I don't understand it. It makes sense. These young they need to play. These young people need to play. They need to play. They need to stay occupied and involved with one another and learn how to truly uh, resolve issues. Uh, on a football field, is probably one of the last places you can, well, maybe a little bit, you know, do this. Um, I know it's under attack, but to me, what's the alternative? Oh, go home and what? Watch more what? Social media videos? 
Holy crap! <laughs> Self-destruction. And what do we see? There is. Streets of their cities, a bunch this, of morons, absolute yeah, just, morons that simply think by yelling and screaming and breaking things and throwing adult tantrums that, hey, they're going to get their way. Oh, my. There, there's just no such thing as journalism anymore. No, I'm just putting up your picture. I'm, I'm just, fight, fight, I will. There's, there's the picture. Fight, yeah, I will. You know who's in between uh, my legs? Be nice now, Mr. Testaverde. Remember oh, those? is that right? Oh, man. <laughs> he, be was, he, he was never able to run away from me. So it was easy to what? Find him and hit him. And he was <laughs> my legs, man. <laughs> <laughs> he over looking down at him. Hey, what the best? All I, all I want to know is did he, did he accept the date after the game? <laughs> I, I was already uh, uh, involved. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get you into a little discussion here about about the game, guys, and and uh, and you and Coop, I uh, want to have a little back and forth with. Um, obviously, uh, our kids are growing up in a in in a public schools public school systems all around the country that is that has become godless, based just completely godless. Number one problem. Uh, only if and only if the kids let it too. So that's true. They have something to say about. Well, I'm just it. saying. My son did. I'm just saying if you have a if you have a God filled home, and you go to school at a public school, you're going to a to a place where God isn't welcome. True. You know, and nor nor is any any of your faith or anything like that. So that's a fundamental problem. But welcome almost anywhere right now by the people who control the uh, social media, the people that control. No question. Uh, TV channels over my shoulder. Uh, uh, seriously, uh, uh, it's not allowed in, and we only highlight when we're burning Bibles. Uh, I mean, it's really a massive concern because the family is built off of faith, and and if there is no faith, why not? Why not? Well, so, so here, 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 your story. Uh, and you know, I've heard other a lot of other stories. So is so is uh, Mark. Uh, yours is uh, one of the more dramatic stories I've heard of overcoming. Your mother says, uh, "God uh, doesn't create drag garbage; He creates masterpieces." You talked about that, and that you were a masterpiece, and that gave you a, a foundation to stand on uh, for for toughness and and having the will to get through some of the most difficult adversity that a human being can go through. Um, we have. Uh, kids now way, that are playing. Can I say one thing? My, my mother, this is a great suggestion. My mother took me to beautiful things. My yeah. mother would, would put up somewhat barriers of constant reminders of what I was not. My mother would take me to what started out as ugly and had me interpret them over time as beautiful, life-changing. Yep. From nature outside your windows of Colorado is filled with beauty and empowerment to people that were doing things for all the right reasons. And maybe they started out a little rough, but they figured it out because they were brought to beauty rather than being pound it into the ground with hate messages and dislike 
and I'm not getting what I want and poor pitiful me. And I, okay, I'm, so I'm, we're so we're 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 going to transition into that that level of talk. We 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 all coach kids, you know. I've I just celebrated. This is 41 years. September is 41 years as a as a high school football coach for me, um, dating back to Richfield High School in Richfield, Minnesota, back in 1979, and uh, I've seen generations of of kids. Okay, and and you guys have too. What I want to talk about, uh, Blaze, is um, how easy it, is it to get this message to these kids, the toughness that you've gone through and, and the toughness of this game, and how important it is uh, for them to face adversity on a football field and not have all the, the adversity taken away from it. And, and does that exist uh, as well? I'm going to let you guys talk about the youth that you coach today and the, and the parental attitude uh, of, of today Without spending too much time, we just spend a lot of time on the past. We just need to talk about how we can mentor the future, if it's possible. Because I get, you know, look, I walk down the street. I walk down the street, and I, you know, I mean, I coached at a, a high school, South High School. I got an honorary doctorate in for coaching in the minority community. I don't even know why I ever deserved that or what it was, but the fact is that I you I'm deserved not, it because I, you coached it and you lived it and you breathed it and they understood it. Well, yeah, and now I walk. Now I'm considered, uh, you know, every time you know uh, this liberal society sees an old white man, I, I'm a racist. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not useful. It's because you know? they're naive and they're right. and they're jaded and they're watching what we call what they call the news. And and if you're watching the news, you're basically misinformed. Hey, yeah. Cool. So so um, let's 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 expand on that. I'm gonna let you two guys talk about that. Hey, cool. What, yeah. What, what I just heard, um, it popped into my mind. I was invited to a NFL program. I like to go to these programs to feel out the, the you know, what's going on and you know, just stay relevant in some ways um, with how the dialogue is going on and not fearing raising my hand at times. Um, and I went to a bridge to success a transition conference in San Diego put up by the NFL uh, in 2018, 18 or 19. Anyway, uh, just a few years ago, and uh, we were able to sit down with over 30 different companies. Uh, we chose five out of the 30. I sat down with Adidas. I sat down with uh, um, uh, Zenith. I sat down with Target. And I, you know, not that I was necessarily looking for a job, but I wanted to go through the process to understand what the dialogue was so that when I go and speak to people, I'm a little bit more up on the curve, you know, right. curve. and there it was, man. Number one, the, well, how old are you? Well, I'm uh, Well, what do you, what can you share about diversity? And, you know, do you understand all all you know, inclusiveness. And I'm like, 25 year old or 28, 29, 30 year old, uh, most of the time female was sitting there saying these things to me. And, and it was, I don't think a word was heard. Now I have to eliminate paranoia. I have to eliminate those thoughts inside myself that says, oh boy, she's looking at me like they used to. No, no, I, I learned how to eliminate those things. And yeah. I started asking questions, so I understood, are you jaded? 
are you jaded? And lo and behold, time and time again, it was obvious without punishing her or him, uh, it, 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 was, it was a polite, thank you very much. This has been really enlightening for me. Well, we'll let you know if you're interested. Yeah, I know you will, and I really appreciate it. But the, it, it's absolutely amazing what we're lacking in the educational system to get people to a point where they're in power positions, but yet again, they are skewed. They're jaded. They're, they're marketed. Uh, they're, they're, they're produced and marketed for the sake of uh, a, a larger mission, but it is jaded. It is damaged. Well, you're not, you're, you're, you're also, you're, you're also not talking about, and I'm going to turn this over to Coop. You're also not talking about the elephant in the room. Okay. When they see you, we just heard your amazing story that any kid of any color, any person of any color that's trying to achieve anything at any time in any profession should hear your story where you have so much to share and you're going to be judged the minute they see you as a privileged old white man. So shut up. Is that not true? Coop? Well, here, you know, I think what you, uh, I think what you see is people are intimidated by people of knowledge and people are intimidated by someone that's gone through a lot more than they've ever gone through or even could imagine going through. And uh, I think a lot of people have a tendency to surround themselves with people that think a lot alike to them. And that's why I think they, that's where they get stagnated at, right? Because they don't see a bigger picture and they don't see outside the box. They're staying in that little box because it's cozy and it feels good. And that's the way they were taught in college and they were socialized like that, right? So we were, we, in our era, and yeah, we're grumpy old men, I guess, right? Or, or whatever you want to call us. Um, we don't think like that. We didn't, we had barriers we had to overcome. We had things we had to get past. I, I came from a divorced family. Um, we all have our stories, but the bottom line is you, we even saw it in the NFL. Right. We saw in the NFL. We, I went to the NFL thinking I'm going to have the best coaches in the world. And I actually had coaches that were buddies of buddies and they hired their buddies and they weren't the best coach. Right. They weren't the best guy I thought I was going to ever play for. Right. And you go, you say, wow, well, look at this nepotism. Right. Howard Snellenberger said to me one time after he got fired at Oklahoma, he was back at FAU. And he says, Coop, I said, so tell me about that, Coach. I mean, we were driving the car for an hour. I had, a, had the most incredible conversation. And we'll have that conversation on the show at some point. And he said, hey, look who's around me now. And I go, yeah, all Miami guys, the old Miami crew. He goes, yeah, you know why? Because they disagree with me. We have arguments. They also know that I'm the head coach and, and I'm the guy that's going to get fired over. So I'm, I'm going to make the last call. But I take their information. I, I, I let them all interpret it in, into one big box and then, we decide on it, and then that's how we go forward. He says, prior to that, he yeah. says, I was a dictator. And it dicta what happened is I was a dictator, and I got fired. So that, therein lies, I think, what you were running into, right, what you were seeing from the standpoint of um, people are so intimidated by their people anymore because they don't want to think outside of the box, and they don't want to uh, expand their horizons. And it's a little sad, but it's the the – the socialization I think they've had through their college ranks. 
I do believe it is, there's so much possibility of changing a, a life and impacting life if you just could separate that life from all the noise. And this is a difficult thing in this current culture because noise is everywhere. It's all around us on our phones that we carry 24 seven to on the media, to the radio, everything around us is bombarding us with um, uh, noise. And I think the defining moments in my life have come from people who cherry picked me away from the noise and got my attention eye to eye, heart to heart, and was able to plant a seed that helped me see a little differently and or feel as if I had somebody I could trust. And a lot of times it was promoted when I was young that we learn from our elders. We learn from the, the, the people who have gone before us. And, and, and I was raised that way. So I still think there's benefits to say, what can I learn from my great grandmother? What can I learn from Washington? What can I learn from Lincoln? What can I learn from Coach O'Leary or Coach Bobby Ross? And I have to cut the noise out. And I think from martial arts that I've learned so much from, it is about isolating yourself and getting in touch with all this, this noise and be able to say this, this switch here, I have to turn it off. This, I have to turn off because it's creating a, a blatant effect that I see everything this way. And that's dangerous to uh, survival, to, to constant connection to other powerful sources. Well, you guys have, look, we've got about three minutes left and we've had a tremendous conversation and we're going to have, we're going to have you back on uh, blaze because the fascination of uh, your life and, and your, <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to go to, I, I'd love to go two hours, but uh, we're going to have an, we're going to pick, pick this up, but I'm going to tell you something that I, uh, you know, like I'm watching the game last night. Right. And, uh, I'm sitting there as a football coach watching this game, right? And I said to myself, "Those I don't care if it's J.J. Watt. I don't give a shit who it is. I'm watching them play that game last night. And I'm saying to myself, I got cut five times in the NFL. I got cut six times in my professional career because I wandered around Canada and the USFL as well. And I wanted to play. And never have I ever shown such a lack of desire as those football players were shown on that field last night. And I thought, and I know, I know this, and you may not believe this, Coop may not believe it, but you guys have been around me long enough to know. I know if I'm coaching that team, that defensive line, they don't play like that. I promise you they would listen to me. I promise you that they would not play like that. And I promise you that they would get the message that they don't need to be mentoring other players in football all the way down to the first grade with that level of unconscionable lack of effort. And when you see it at the highest level, you and I become powerless over this thing. 
Coop becomes powerless unless we get in front of kids and we teach him. But look, I mean, I was very fortunate to have three players that I trained go in the first three rounds of the draft last year. And they were little kids. They were prepubescent, didn't have a hair on their body kids when I met them. And uh, uh, one of them was a little bit older. But the fact of the matter is, is that they beat up on other kids, not by playing the game illegally, but by playing the game with heart. And you guys, that's who you guys are. And that's the way, that's the only way we can change it. They block us out because they just decide to standardize us as people who don't can't make a difference in kids' lives. Why would I want why would I want somebody with Mark Cooper, that old booger? You know, I got this young kid coach, whatever of whatever, that's that, you know, wears skinny jeans, you know, <laughs> skinny sweats, you know, and you know, why would why would I go to you guys? And I'd like to, you both to answer that question before we end this well, thing, and, and we'll pick it back up yeah, in another episode. They'll go to us because the reason they would go is to, to know the truth, right? And to be coached correctly. The truth. And, yeah, the truth. And the, and be coached correctly and to be um, – we were scrutinized by every step we took, our hat placement, our hand placement, was that step six inches too big or was it three inches too big? I mean, when you're scrutinized at that level, you're able to communicate that to a kid. So he actually understands why you're telling him, you're not yelling at him, you're coaching him. And when he fundamentally feels the difference between a three inch step and a six inch step, he goes, wow, that works. And then what happens? He buys in and then he's coachable and he knows what he did wrong. He knows how to fix it. He knows how to try and fix it, but you have to keep reminding him like we had to be reminded all the time, right? And then, bam, then you tell him to go hit a bag, and it sounds like a marshmallow hitting a bag, right? Because this guy, just by listening to him, everybody on this podcast, if they don't listen to the passion that comes out of his voice, you're you're a passionate guy, but this guy, how do we get that into into the kids? How do we get... The, where the coaches, it, you know, I watched yeah, McVay, McVay and HBO and, you know, and watching him become friends with everybody on the LA Rams in that hard knocks thing. I was like, Hey, why don't you get some hot chocolate, some marshmallows for everybody, bud? <laughs> you know, and that's, what the, that's yeah. how the game is. Marshmallow.com. <laughs> <laughs> So Coop is absolutely right. You you can get their attention, right? This is a beautiful time. You've got their attention because they're going, man, this guy's teaching me right, right? Yeah. But then the next piece is, are you going to run this, the guy you're blocking, are you going to kill? Are you going to, you know? Yeah, finish. We call finish, it finish. Finish, finish, yeah. Finish. I'll tell you this. I, 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 I look at the structure of what's going on in you know, football, the, 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 the order. And it used to be so – and every – and every uh, fighting culture uh, from samurais and ninjas to there's always been a pecking order. And, and it was a, it, it was a, and you were demanded to respect this order, not try to push it into everyone's equal. This has become a problem in You're right. I'll use football because coaches are no longer superior to players 
and they should be. They're yes to death out there on the field. And if they push the button too wrong, hey, someone's going to go to management or administrators or player personnel or ownership and say, hey, man, this guy's bothering me. You're paying me $20 million a year. He's bothering me. The power that a guy like Tom Brady could cast uh, 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 over his team that we are not going to be this way uh, needs to be present. And it needs to be present daily so that the younger folks understand, no, no, man, you respect this dude. Shut up. And everyone's afraid from the top to the coaches to some of the levels of players are they're running scared. They're they're joining hand in hand to walk streets and they don't believe in what they're walking for, but they're joining hand in hand because they're worried about what? Losing their job or losing their what? Their image, their clout. Look, man, real coaches, real teachers don't worry about those things. They stay true to the principles and the qualities that are most important. That is why when I asked my sensei, last word, when I asked my sensei of California, who was a former Marine and a world-renowned martial artist, he said to me, simply understand why I am your sensei. Understand why. Because I realized the answer was because you paid your dues. And you instructed me and you pointed out the mistakes I made, and when I keep on, uh, kept on making the mistakes, you stopped me violently and said, if you keep doing this, you're going to hurt all right, the ones that you're defending. And I forever am grateful to that loyalty and that, that advice because in the long run, man, this plateau culture that we're all equal is bullshit. Well, we're all we're all we're all born equal. We just don't stay that way when it comes to jobs and 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 uh, sports or anything else. Look at you, you were born in an unequal position with the way you were born, and you ended up uh, achieving a lot of people's dream, you know, uh, and 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 then beyond. I have a but, voice. Uh, I decided to run away from the pack. I, I decided to run toward a light. I decided to get out of the personal, poor, pitiful me. Uh, darkness. I tried to extend myself into the principles of which my leader, my mother, my great grandmother, my coach O'Leary, coach Bobby Ross, and so on, Coach Cunningham, and many others pushed me. And I didn't like them, but they were honest with me. They were truthful, like you said. Right. They were honest and truthful. And because of that consistency, last word, consistency, I bought into it. I bought into it. And I think it's really damaging when there's not consistency and simply there's decisions being made based on popularity. Very dangerous. Right. Yep. So, uh, so you, you just mentioned some guys that were somewhere in between where coaches are today and where they used to be 25 years before they coached, right? They became smarter. The game became better. They improved the game. They improved the player. They improved the athleticism of the player. Uh, and there was a big, big jump during when you guys played from what the league was before you got in there to what it is today. And it, the, the, the true nature and the truth that you guys represented was really important. Hey, listen, we have, 
We have to go, uh, Blaze, but here's the deal. This is the best part of the show. We want you to stay on here for, for it, okay? Coop's going to tell these people out in, uh, in somewhere in between land what we do for a living. <laughs> so, Blaze, hey, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on this show because I love your story, and I can't wait to hear more. And uh, we definitely are going to have you on again so we can – go in, in depth on, uh, on some other issues, but yes, um, bottom line is Moles and I've been in the, you know, we're in the, both work for Cobble Banker, right? I've been 28 years. Moles is a little newer than that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like in a rookie. Hey, but you know, typical defensive lineman, trip. I'll carry him along. I'll bring him along with me. We'll be just fine. Seven, exactly. Seven days till my first year anniversary. There we so go. There we go. But Hey, all over the, 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 the market's hot in Colorado. The market's hot in a lot of places around the country, but in Colorado, we have less inventory than we've had in 20 years. So, with interest rates the way they are, uh, buying and selling homes right now is, uh, is 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 fast and furious, but can get done. And uh, and we're the guys to get it done with. So we'll keep it that simple. Yeah, and, uh, have a lot of fun doing it, and, and have some giggles, tell some stories, and uh, people can listen to the show and and they can see that you know we always like to you know have fun, but at the same time, you know. Get, get the job done. That's right. And so if uh, you have any need uh, for us to help, Coop and, Coop and or I, uh, with real estate needs, uh, to get a hold of Coop, you call, <laughs> call me, you call 720-722-1559. Hey, please, all I got to do is Google my name. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Coop, Coop's number, Coop's number. Coop's number is 303-843-1545. His assistant will screen you. Not at I all. I mean, actually welcome you. And, uh, She's wonderful. Or you can reach him at, uh, at mark at come, the letter, I mean the number two, mark at come to Colorado. That two is a, a, le, a number two, not, not spelled out. Mark at come to Colorado.com. And uh, my email is easy uh, right there. Coach Moles. Can you see it? Coach, Coach Moles at gmail.com. Coach Moles at gmail.com. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we need to get you out of Florida, man. I hope your wife doesn't listen to this because I know she loves Florida. Uh, well, you know what? I, she already knows how I feel. Everybody in Florida knows how I feel. I, I'm pretty honest about where I stand on this. It's the armpit of Florida. I mean, that's where I live, Orlando. I mean, it's just a <laughs> mess, man. Unless you uh, – Living. There goes our Orlando audience. <laughs> you live in uh, Universal, you live behind the walls of SeaWorld with Shamu, or, well, they're not allowed anymore. That's not PC. But it, you know, it, it's just a, it's a hard place for me, man, uh, to tell you the real truth. And I think we'll go look at Colorado with you two guys uh, when my wife and I are out there. So uh, maybe you could impress her uh, because I'm ready to leave Florida. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll try and win her over. Well, listen, that's the uh, that's the end of it. Blaze, God bless you, and thanks for coming on. You uh, we're going to have you on again because there's still a lot more that's got to come out of that head and soul of yours. And, hey, uh, brother, thanks a lot around the world. Thanks a lot for uh, inviting me on, and uh, just remember, man, uh, we live by it, and we have to keep on sharing it with what we do each and every day. But fight, I will keep on fighting, man. Keep on fighting. You bet, right on, brother. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right. God bless. Take Bye. care. God bless. Coop, that's it. We're done. We're Episode done. three. It's a wrap. Episode three.
It's a wrap. Clap your hands together. Jeez Louise. What was that?